This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. I am visiting with Tad Stondesgard, and he is owner of a company called Exceligen. Tad, tell us more about the company, who you are and what you do. What do you do and who you are? Happy to be here. Exceligen is located in Egan, Minnesota. We're an animal biotechnology bioventure company that is wholly owned by our parent company, which is called Recombinetics. Recombinetics has been around since 2008 when the first gene editing technology became available. Uh, and then Exceligen was formed in 2013. So we've been doing uh, next generation breeding tools and testing them in food animals. And our goal is to actually breed better animals for a better planet. And we do that by helping the farmers manage and breed better livestock. What exactly does next generation animal breeding mean? Yeah, so if you look throughout history at the tools that have been used by progressive breeders that are trying to make genetic improvement in all of our different livestock breeds, it really started with the formation of the breeds in the 17th or 18th century where they bred best to best. And then they started recording uh, data as to measuring the growth performance, um, the size, the color, and selecting for different traits. And then in the 1950s, probably the next big breakthrough was artificial insemination, where you're able to distribute the best genes of the animals in a breed to many, many different breeders, which really helped transform the dairy industry along with um, more sophisticated statistical-based selection. Then in the 80s came advanced reproduction with uh, embryo transfer and cloning, and then work that I was involved in when I was a scientist with USDA prior to coming to Exceligen. We developed SNP chips that are used to help make genomic selection programs, which came online basically with USDA and the dairy industry in about 2009. So gene editing relies upon all those previous technologies and is a complement complementary breeding tool to actually help animal breeders bring traits in that they may have missed along the way in um, that are needed just to provide better health or better animal well-being for animals. So just an additional tool. Perfect segue, Tad, into talking about what your company has done with PERS resistance in pigs. And that's what led me to want to interview you. So talk more about that to me, if you will, on, on what your company has done and what you have uh, found in the information you're releasing. Even before I got to the company of Exceligen in 2015, Recombinetics had been doing research in next-gen breeding tools for food animals since 2013. And originally, there was a group of a loose consortium of industry, academia, and our company exchanging ideas to provide ways to breed resistance to PERS virus into pigs. And as time passed, you know, groups focus on different things. And some of these groups independently worked on different solutions. And those are being used out in the field now. And our method, we just took a different route. It took a little longer to get there than, than most. So we have a unique solution, which we provide through the next-gen breeding tools. And we derive the invention, which is unique to the marketplace, through a licensing opportunity with Kansas State University. So really a collaboration. Tag, can you walk us through how you actually do the physical gene editing? Yeah, that's a great question. So really all gene editing tools are, and so it's a laboratory tool for breaking DNA except it does it in a very specific way. So our bodies have repair machinery to mend those breaks in the double-strand DNA. So all this tool is doing is cutting in a specific spot 
And then when the repair machinery comes, which it normally and naturally does, uh, we just provide some instructions to repair it the way that we want. So the best way to do that most precisely and accurately is to do it in cells and then to take those cells and be able to clone them into animals. You can also try and introduce the mutations into single cell embryos. And it's technically a little bit more difficult to end up with decision and accuracy you can get from cloning. How will this impact the pork industry? You know, our U.S. pig farmers do a great job responsibly raising pigs. Uh, If we use an analogy of a cell phone on the network and the apps would be the different traits or the different tools that the breeders have and the pigs would be the cell phones on the farm and the farm would be the network. Basically, this is just another app they would add to their phone to manage their operation. So what am I trying to say? It's, it's another tool in their toolbox. If their genetic supplier uses this trait and it's provided within their pigs, then they may change the way they manage PERS resistance disease. They may get better performance from their pigs not only from the reproduction of the, the females, but also in the growth performance of the, the young piglets. So, Tad, what about protocols? Are there going to have to be protocols or are there already protocols out there when it comes to gene editing and harvest and consumption of gene edited protein animals like pigs? So it's a great question. This technology, unlike the other breeding tools, is regulated by the U.S. government and the agency The department in charge of that, the agency within that is the Food and Drug Administration, Center for Veterinary Medicine. And so if you make a genomic alteration to change the form or function of a protein, which is what we're doing in this case, it has to go through an approval that it's safe, not only for the animals and the farmers breeding it, but also for the consumer. So that takes some time to get an approval to commercialize. We're familiar with that process. We've done it before one of those pathways with our heat tolerant Angus that we developed. And so this would just be another application that we would have to go through approval and provide data to prove that there is no risk beyond normal conventional breeding with these animals. But I think the real value in in this trade is that you're 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 allowing pigs to be raised more sustainably and they have better well-being, so I don't know who would be against that. How long does it take to get it commercialized on average? That's a great question that I can't answer. How do they purchase the technology? The way I understand the swine industry is there's a handful of genetic companies that provide most of the pigs to producers in the United States. So I would envision that we would work with one of those groups to be able to provide the trait within their nucleus breeding herd. And then as those animals are crossed to make the feeder pigs or the multiplier pigs, that's where the producer would benefit. So it would just be built into the system. Once again, Tad Stonisgard, owner of Excelligen, my guest here today, I'm Lori Boyer. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.